PT Pro Talk Podcast, the fastest way to increase your knowledge with the brightest minds of physical therapy in your pocket. Welcome to PT Pro Talk Podcast. I'm Ariana Tondo, your host for today. In this episode, Pepe Gillard is going to talk about diagnosis and treatment of headaches. Pepe is a physical therapist with almost 30 years of experience, McKenzie diplomat, and he has worked with professional sports teams. He has a private practice in Spain and teaches his own headache course. I hope you enjoyed the show. Hi, Pepe. Welcome to PT Pro Talk. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me in your forum. Thank you, I really appreciate it. And let's jump right in. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your career, and how did you get to where you are right now? Okay, so I was born in Spain and I live in Spain. And I graduated from the, the School of Physiotherapy in Valencia, which is the third most important city in Spain after Madrid and Barcelona. And that was in 1992, so almost 30 years working as a physio. And after finishing my, my degree, I started working in sports, mainly in basket, uh, basketball, until 1995, where I established my clinic, which uh, is uh, still the, my, my, main, my main job. I work in, in my own practice with more people. And I've been combining the, my clinic with uh, some soccer teams, so on a professional level. But mainly my, my practice is my, my daily, my daily life. Yeah, that's it. Awesome. So I know that you are super interested in studying headaches and you've been teaching courses. So just tell us a little bit how you started your interest in studying headaches. Well, this was a personal thing. It was something that uh, someone in my family and myself uh, was suffering from headaches uh, a lot, uh, going to the hospital every now and then, and it was awful. And well, I happened to to know a physiotherapy who was treating mainly headaches, and I was able to to treat that person. And uh, well, after that, the success was um, amazing. And as well with myself, I was suffering from headaches and working on myself, it was good. So mainly was a, a personal interest. And after that, I was just curious. And I started to, to learn a little bit more, a little bit more, because there, isn't, there are many things related to physiotherapy and, and headaches, so very good things, or things you can trust. And yes, I started to do this. And that's why I don't treat many people with headaches in my clinic. Actually, my clinic is not like we are a headache clinic, okay? So it's not that my main uh, group of uh, people with patients are headache patients. They are, they are not. But uh, yes, sometimes I do. Okay. And how do you classify headaches and which ones do you treat? Well, classifications is always, uh, I think, you can have as many classifications as you want because classifications are made to try to get people sharing the same characteristics, you know, the same pain patterns or symptoms patterns, you know. So it's just a matter of, try, of having a, a homogeneous sample, mainly thinking about investigation. 
uh, we would like to have diagnosis instead of classification. But when you don't have something specific like happens with low back pain or neck pain or headaches, then you need to use other things like classification. So you need to gather and to, to, to try to put uh, every people with more or less same characteristics in the in a classification. So I don't really use a classification. What I say is, is someone that responds to my assessment or doesn't respond to my assessment. So the people who, who I treat uh, are the ones who respond to the assessment that I, that I do on them. Okay. Um, I was reading about the types of headaches, the, the primary headaches and then the secondary headaches. And uh, so the, the primaries are the ones that we don't really know the reason. Right? Mm -hmm. Is that correct? You you correct me if I'm I'm wrong. And then the secondary is the one that that we have the cervicogenic headaches with the headaches that come from the neck. Mm -hmm. So um when you are treating them, uh what are the characteristic on your subjective exam that would you give you like a hint or a tip that sh would show you that the headache could come from the cervical. Okay, so when you are talking about primary and secondary headaches, this is a, class a classification from the medical model. Okay, mm -hmm. headaches are within the medical model. Everyone in the whole world are using the medical model classification system. The International Headache Society is the the big guy <laughs> around the world. And they are the ones setting all the classifications and they are the ones uh, defining uh, which is a migraine, which is a tension type headache, what, uh, which is a, what's a cluster headache, okay? And what's primary and what's secondary. Primary doesn't mean that you don't know the, the, the cause. Uh, we don't know the cause for primary, but this is not the reason why they are called primary. Primary are called because the problem is the headache itself, okay? Mm -hmm. And secondary means that there is another thing causing the headache. For instance, if you have fever, okay, or you have a cancer, you may have headaches because of this, okay? Mm -hmm. Or you can have a problem in your neck and having a headache related to the neck as a source of your problem, then you have a secondary headache, okay? But primary means that the, the problem is the headache itself. It's not because of other things, okay? There, there mm -hmm. is not an underlying cause for, for that, okay? And uh, when I'm doing my subjective, well, it's very difficult. It's very difficult just from the subjective, from the things that the, the, the people are telling you, if you know, okay, this is going to be really cervicogenic or not. Why? Because migraine, pension-type headache, and cervicogenic headache, they overlap symptoms, okay? So they overlap symptoms, they overlap locations, they overlap that type of pain, okay? So it's very difficult to distinguish sometimes between, between one headache and another headache. So you don't really, really, from the subjective, are always uh, um, certain to be dealing with a, a cervicogenic. If the patient is telling you that when he's doing some postures with the, with the head or the neck or doing some movements on some postures and they say, when I do this, my headache, uh, my headache comes or increases or it gets better, maybe you have a hint that maybe your, your neck is involved in, in this process. 
But other than that, it's really, really difficult just from the subjective to have a, a real, real positive headache, psychological headache. And, and how do you know, or I don't know if you know, which ones are going to respond to therapy, to physical therapy, that they're going to have a good uh, result with the PT approach? Is there a well, way to know that or just trying? No way with the subjective, no way, unless someone tells you that he's suffering from headaches and every time someone is treating his neck, he's uh, getting better. So he's telling yeah. you, okay? But just because of the subjective is really, really, really difficult. Even with the objective, it's also very difficult. But in the objective, you may have some features that can lead you to think, oh, maybe we have something here. For instance, if you have a positive flexion rotation test, maybe, maybe you are able to change this and the headache improves quickly. Okay, maybe this is a cervicogenic headache. So the objective, the, the objective could uh, give us more and more and more information than rather than, than only the, the subjective. And let's talk then about the objective. What else would you do that would show you that it could have a positive result with physical therapy? Maybe some like range of motion restriction, something like that? Yeah, that's what I'm looking for mainly. Okay, if there is a decrease of uh, the range of motion. And uh, the other thing I'm looking for is if I'm able to find uh, muscle pain muscle originated from, from, from muscle. If I'm able to touch uh, maybe trapezius and the patient say, oh, that's my headache, okay? So that's triggering my pain, things like that. But yes, I'm looking mainly for the range of motion in the cervical, upper cervical, lower cervical, and the upper thoracic. They are the main, the main things. Because we are talking about cervicogenic, I also always have a look to the TMJ. Okay, because they are the two main sources we have in the neck and, and in the head that are able to produce uh, or influence headaches. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, mainly I'm looking for, for this. Yeah. And talking about the cervicogenic headaches, how do you differentiate if the symptoms are coming from the upper cervical or lower cervical? Uh, by definition, upper cervical is the only uh, cervical segment that can give you pain in the head, okay? So you cannot have headaches from C6, okay? Mm. So the source is always the upper cervical, if you're talking about cervical chain. Mm. But you may have a contribution from the lower cervical. Let's say you have a loss of extension in the, in the neck, and this is, this is changing the behavior of the upper cervical. Okay, maybe the upper cervical is giving you the headache, but because the lower cervical is not behaving properly and changing the way this is happening. So maybe you are having the afferents from here altered because of the lower cervical, okay? But you are always, if you have headache from the neck, the source is going to be always the first, the first three segments, the top three segments. Okay, and, and how do you know that the lower cervical is influencing the upper cervical. Okay, this is not always that easy, but but uh, when I'm teaching the courses, I'm showing a couple of schemes that shows you hints, maybe hints that can 
lead you to think, okay, maybe it's very, very upper cervical with a little or no contribution for the lower, or you may have some contribution for the, for the lower. And it's related to the range of motion, okay? For instance, if you have a positive flexion rotation test, now you have, you for sure, you have an upper cervical tissue. Why? Because the flexion rotation test is assessing only the rotation the, uh, on C1, C1, on C2. Okay? This is the only segment it's assessing. So if you have a positive test, now you know you have something not working properly. Okay? You still don't know if this is the cause because to say that, okay, this is the problem, you have to change this to normalize the range of motion and the patient has to say, I'm better. Okay? So there has to be a correlation between now I move better and I feel better. Okay? So there has to be a, a relationship. And if you have a lower cervical involvement, usually you have more movement restrictions. If you have the upper cervical only, maybe the flexion rotation test is the only uh, range of motion that you find decreased. Okay? But the maybe they are full and free. Okay? Pain free. But when you have a lower, you usually have more than one movement uh, alter with decreasing range of motion, mainly rotations, uh, extension of the of the neck, or even flexion. Okay, of course, lateral flexion as well. So you may have more decrease of the range of motions in the in the whole in the whole neck. While in the upper cervical, you may have no symptoms at all. No, no, no. Sorry, not the loss of move, or movement at all. Besides, you can have with the upper cervical uh, problem, usually you don't have neck symptoms. And if they are present, they are really, really on, on top, on the top, and not really bothering the, the neck. Plus, you feel mainly the pain in the head, whatever the area, okay, but in the head. When you have a lower cervical, you can also have only pain in the head. But usually you have more neck involvement, you know, going to the trapezius, traveling down to the scapula and things like that. So you may have all the movements and other symptoms going to everywhere. Okay. Something, something like that. Yeah, no, that was clear. Um, and how do you treat headaches? There is any specific approach do you use or how does it work? Well, it depends. It depends on what, on my findings in the in the objective, okay, and it depends in uh, on my findings in the subjective. Because if I have someone that is really afraid of me and he's scared and he doesn't want to be touched or anything, so I maybe have to use everything I have with <laughs> hands off, okay. And I like to to to, to start with everyone with knees, with uh, elbows, with everything. I I like to start with hands off. Why? Because I don't know the person yet, okay? And I don't know the problem that the person is suffering from. So I don't know if it's, um, if it's a, a irritability is high and I do something that is too much for him. I think it's soft, but for him it's too much. And then I get the patient much, much worse, okay? And I say, okay. So I start with the lowest force I can, which is usually the patient-generated force. And then I try to push more according to the response. If the patient is not getting any worse and is not getting any better, okay, maybe you need a little bit more, okay? So it's going little by little. I'm increasing, building up my, 
my my pushing, but I try to start with my with my hands on, and I'm quite quite confident. Not not because of me, but in the physiotherapy. I think with physiotherapy we have a lot of uh, hands off uh, approaches, and I don't like to talk about names. I, I mean about techniques, okay, or movements uh, that help us to change quickly the range of motion and to know if they are related to to pain. So yes, mainly I start always, it doesn't matter if you're telling me that, okay, when you touch my muscle, it's giving me headaches. Okay, it's okay, no problem. But still, I'm going to see if I'm able to change things only with the movements, with the hands off. And of course, if it's indicated, because I'm not getting any response, I try to do something, something else right, with my hands, of course. Okay, so that was the my next question about the hands off, because I know you're a McKenzie background. Uh, and I, uh, my question was, how do you use the McKenzie rationale on your approach? So it, I think you just said that. So you start hands off and then according to the results, you are going to do any, some hands on or not. So mm-hmm. is there cases that you can just do hands off and the patients get better? Yeah, of course. If you do hands off and the patient gets better, it's all you need. If you have, uh, okay, I'm good, I'm doing well, okay, don't do anything else. We found the 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 source, we find the, the we found the right uh, area, we found the right segment or the right movement or technique with the right pressure. Okay, perfect. We don't need anything else unless the patient uh, the patient plateau or the patient gets worse. Okay. But if you find something with doing nothing with your hands, only explaining, showing the patient how to move or how to change the posture or whatever, it's all you need. And then do you follow the same McKenzie rationale? You, if you, you try to uh, provoke the symptoms and then if they don't get worse or same, you continue and then you progress with the same rationale as the, the method or you combine something different there? When you mean McKenzie rational, what do you mean? So, for example, you start doing retractions for headaches. Okay. Usually, it's the most common movement, right? So okay. then you you have the pain, and then you do the ten repetitions, and then the pain is not worse. Mm-hmm. Then you continue until you try to change the symptoms, right? Or if they get better. Um, then according to their response, you are going to progress forces or not. Or if they're getting worse, you're going to stop and do try something else, right? Okay. Is that kind of like the rationale? So if you are not McKenzie, if your patient is getting worse, you, you keep doing the same thing? If you are not McKenzie trained? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> okay. So that's what my question was because of that. Because we think, okay, McKenzie is green light, red light. That, that, I think we use this traffic light with anything we do okay even in life no if you talk into someone and hey, we are chilling out I, it's okay i we think can... so <laughs> i yeah, hope so you know? if you stop talking with someone uh, about politics and someone is changing his face you say okay okay change the subject okay? <laughs> so i think this is a life rationale okay yeah. because mackenzie really is a classification system okay so it's if you fit in one of the boxes that mackenzie said okay if you you after my assessment 
you are responding like that, okay, you are called the range manager. If you are responding like that, this function, whatever, and if you are not responding, okay, you are open, okay? So this is a rational, okay? So the, the, the classification system. But what Mackenzie does is no different about what Mulligan does. Okay, because Mulligan says, okay, do 10 repetitions as well. And when you have flexion rotation test positive, that is one technique uh, that is made by, by the patient, an auto snack, and it's 10 repetitions. Okay, so you repeat the movement, trying to go further, 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 further. Okay, so it's not about Mackenzie or Mayland, so it's about names. Mayland started with PAs and started with grade one, if not grade two, grade three, grade four. So you are increasing according to the response you, you have. So I think the rationale is a normal thing and it's a the physiotherapy thing. But I know what, what you mean. Retraction, again, retraction is a movement that, again, Mackenzie, by chance, uh, got to know this, uh, got to learn the, the movement because he was using his system in the neck and he wasn't having the, the same results in the cervical like he was having the low back until he learned about one study of, um, I can't remember the name, I think it was Penning, Lawrence Penning. He was a, a guy from the Netherlands, I think, a neuroradiologist, who was the one doing radiographies, okay, it's raised on the next doing retraction and doing protection and seeing that the neck is moving different as we thought. Okay. And Mackenzie said, okay, maybe we are doing this and we need to do this. So he was borrowing this movement from another guy or this uh, finding no from another guy. So retraction is not Mackenzie. <laughs> retraction is a movement <laughs> that's being assisting. The only thing is Mackenzie uses in a specific way. But other people that when I was studying in, in the in, in the degree, uh, I didn't know about Mackenzie. And this was an exercise that, that they were teaching us for people suffering from neck pain, you know. But uh, yes, I mean what, what you mean. And yes, my 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 brain is a structure a little bit like Mackenzie, but I would say Australian physiotherapies, okay? Because I like the way they, they use physiotherapy. Like they are doing a subjective examination, objective examination, and with all the information, they try to do the thing that the patient needs. And from that starting point, they going according to to the response. So yes, this is a, the, the way I like to to think and to use my rationale, not to have technique and say, I don't care what you have, because I'm going to do the same thing to everyone. No, this is not working like that. You need to think about what person you have in front of you. And according to that, using what uh, what tools you you, you need or, or you have in your your box, okay. But not just like that. One thing, okay? yeah. yeah. One thing, yeah. Whatever gives the results that they need. Whatever. Yeah, it because takes, right? yeah, I tell you, if you have flexion rotation test, you don't need to do retraction. Maybe you have one technique that is published. Uh, the paper was published by Toby Hall and shows great results, and it's very easy for the patients to, to be done, is hands-on, uh, hands-off, the patient does it, and it's very easy, and it changes like that. So, okay, it's not a McKenzie technique, it's not a McKenzie rationale, but it works with someone with, with headaches. So that was yeah. like, very specific. Absolutely. Okay. And uh, what are the aspects that you think are important to be aware of while diagnosing and treating headaches? Of course, you need to be aware of red flags always in any person coming to the clinic. That's why we do, we, we must do our subjective <laughs> mainly 
And of course, our, after our objective, we need more, more information. But uh, in headaches, of, of course, we also have uh, red flags. And usually the, the problems giving headaches are inside the brain, mainly, mainly. You can have other things going on outside, like infections and everything, but mainly you are dealing with problems inside the, the, the brain, like cancer, tumors, something like that. And like in every area in the, in the body, um, there is no prospective studies. They are always looking back. <laughs> so we are learning from the experience, mainly in emergency. It's very important to know that uh, red flags in headaches are very, very low. Okay, so it's not that you are having headaches and you are going to die. Okay, but you need to be aware that sometimes people with headaches uh, are secondary headaches that can lead to, to, to a death. Okay, and there is an article that was published uh, very recently the, with, um, with a rule. It was SNOOP, S N O O O. I think there were three O's or four O's, I can remember now. Uh, P10, okay, and it stands for several things, systematics, you know, things like, things like that. So there were, I think there were 14 uh, items uh, giving you clues that if someone is showing like that, okay, be careful, you, you need to refer this guy to, 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 further, to further investigation. Yeah. So it's awesome. really important. And we don't have, we, we can, uh, you can have people taking uh, MRIs and CT scan and everything. But if you have a very good uh, subjective and a very good objective, uh, usually it's enough to say, okay, there is something going on here, or okay, it's safe for me to keep going with this patient. Okay, okay so I'll make sure to find this article. We can talk later so I can put yeah, this I article. Think, yeah, I can, yeah, I can send it to you later. Yeah, yeah I, I'll put the name on the, the show notes so people can yeah, check yeah, it no out problem. and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'll send take, it back. take a yeah. look at the, yeah. these red flags that I think no is problem. important. Yeah, I'll send it back to you. So now talking about um, resources for the ones that are interested in headaches and treating headaches, we know it's like an area that we don't talk much about it on the PT ward. Uh, so I know you teach a course. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about how is your course and also about like where do you think these PTs should start if they want to learn more about the topic? Mm -hmm. Okay, as I told you early on, uh, we live in a medical model, the headaches. So we have a lot of things published regarding cervical journey headache, but mm, they are not always good, okay? So I usually try to take a look afterward with the systematic reviews of the with the meta-analysis and see what's going on. And there aren't many good articles relating to, to, to cervicogenic headaches. Uh, I like to take a look uh, to every article that Toby Hall publishes because I think he's uh, a guy who is very, very, very good at headaches. Uh, Wendolin Jal from Australia and Toby Hall published, I think it was in 2018, a paper called uh, Cervical, how was it? Cervicology, mm. Cervical Musculoskeletal Dysfunction in Headache, something like that. How should it be defined or something like that? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
why in 2018. So we we still don't have many tools to to understand how to identify. You are asking me you know, to how to identify from the pattern, okay, from the subjective when a pain is coming from a headache is coming from the neck. And we don't have many tests from the physiotherapy uh, to, to, to really know when the patient is suffering from headaches related to, to, to the neck, apart from the flexion rotation test. So there is a world to be explored, okay? And of course, we have a lot of patients with similar patterns. We have patients with very different patterns, but we really need to be very structured. Okay, we need to know what should be looking. What, what should be we uh, looking for? That's why when I'm teaching the course, uh, I always say that my my uh, my opinion or my perspective on here is um, uh, you start always with the articular and start with the neck. Doesn't matter you have a TMJ problem because some TMJ problems are also referred from the neck. Some people say, yeah, but you can have neck pain referred from the TMJ. Yeah, of course, but you start in one point and you can go all the way around, okay? So the thing is, once you start in one point, doesn't matter where you start. I can start in the neck because I'm confident with the neck. You can start with the TMJ because you are confident in the TMJ. Doesn't matter. If you don't find anything on the TMJ, keep going, okay? Keep going. And I start always with the articular, again, because it's easier for me. It's easier if we find a movement to the patient at home to repeat that movement, so, so to do the, the exercise at home. Whilst if you start with a massage, you do something here, okay, come in two, three days or in a week, during those days, what is, he, is the patient doing? Stretching or pushing or icing, what is he doing? So it's easier from the assessment point of view to start with the, with the movement. And sometimes you have pain in the muscle, but it's just referred pain from the articular. When I mean articular, I mean related to, to movements, okay? Not yeah. that it's a joint that the problem. So I'm not talking about a structure. And, and again, if you are not finding anything in the neck, then go to the TMJ. And if you don't find anything in the TMJ, neck, articular, or muscular, okay, maybe it's not a patient for, for you. So it's always starting with the with articular, trying to, to improve every uh, loss of uh, the, any range of, of motion loss. And if it's correlated to the improvement in the patient's symptoms or, or pattern, and from there, just keep going, just keep going, yeah. And of course, this is talking about sensory, but we are treating people. And people are sensory, but they are also cognitive and they are so emotional, okay? And people that have been told I'm suffering 20 years from migraine and they come to see a PTE, it's like, what are you going to do with me if I'm a migraine sufferer, okay? And someone told me, okay, come to see that guy, that guy because he, he, he fixed my, my friend's migraine. If we are fixing a migraine, it was not a migraine. Okay? Exactly. Was, there is also this, this problem, yeah. the diagnosis. Yeah, names that, and classification. Yeah, that, that's what I told you. This classification is just a tag or label that you are labeled with, with a name, okay? But it's not giving you the cause. There is no proof that you are having this. So it's just you are fitting in a pattern that is, has been defined by doctors, okay? And again, we live in the medical model, and the medical model is saying which is primary, which is secondary, and is setting all the definitions in the cogenic. 
neurologists are in with mycogenic or mycogenic with the clue about about the name, okay? But with words, they are refusing about acceptance of cogenic headache. So there is a worldwide debate about cell mycogenic headache exist or or not. If they are, and if they exist, they are just well, small, you know, maybe zero point something to four percent, maybe. Okay. But there are a lot of people suffering from migraine. And you tell me how how much is a lot of people on my courses one of the requirements for attending as a patient because I see life patients in on, mm -hmm. on my courses. Because one thing is to tell about the theory, and one thing is okay, and now I'm going to show you. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to show you how I assess how I assess the, the patient. Maybe it's okay for being treated, or maybe okay, we cannot help that patient. And I always ask for migraine patients. Okay, at least one has to be migraine sufferer. Okay, and on my courses, I can tell you that not less than thirty percent of patients diagnosed with uh, migraine. Uh, after the, the, the last day of the, the course, they were 100% better, okay? Mm. Because I usually want the patient with chronic migraine, okay? I need you to be in the course with your pain. Not that, okay, I can have pain today, and in six months I, I have my next attack, but my last attack was last week, so anything I'm going to do is not going to be related to your pain. So I need people with pain coming to my courses. And with this, these people, sometimes with 40 years or, or headaches, uh, 20 years of headache, we, we, we've seen very, very good results. That means that there is not a migraine. It's a cerebrogenic behaving like uh, what we know or what we have been taught as a migraine. That's the thing with the overlapping of the migraine, cerebrogenic, and blah, blah, blah. You know? Yeah, now the not following the classification that you said makes sense. Um, I was reading a paper before talking to you. I think it was from England. I'm not sure. But they were saying that like 90-something percent of the patients were classified as migraines. And yeah. they were like, that's crazy. So probably like they are not all migraines. So it's just hard to know how they're going to be classified, by who, what are the criteria, so you don't really know if they are true. Um, well, they are just uh, fitting into a yeah. pattern defined by doctors, by neurologists. Yes. So the yeah. neurologist, which is the specialist, they say, they say, okay, headaches are our field. That scope is ours. Why? Because headaches are a nervous system disorder. That's what they say. And that's why, because it's a disorder of the nervous system, we as neurologists, we are the ones in charge. And no one is saying, oh, no, 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 you're wrong. No, no, they say, okay, you're in charge. And they are setting everything. Every rule is set by them. And it's okay, it's okay, we can work together, but there are some sources like TMJ that they can worsen. Maybe it's not the cause, but can worsen migraine or tension mm -hmm. time headache we have publications backing up this these things mm -hmm. same thing with, with migraine so i'm not saying that neurologists are wrong but neurologists should be saying okay can you come and help we can work together okay i'm ruling out a red flag 
can you assess a patient, the neck and the TMJ? Why? Because if we have a neck problem or a TMJ problem, we quickly know if this is the case or not. If it's a headache problem coming from the neck or the TMJ, we are able to fix that quite quickly and lasting. If not, hey, okay, this is not working, now it's up to you. Okay. Hey, you start with all the medication and everything you need or whatever, or further investigation. But no, they are doing the other way around. They are yeah. giving all the medication, they're telling you, oh, you have a migraine, this is genetic, you know, this is your brain is ill. When the patient is coming to you after 10 years, <laughs> listening that your brain is ill, you are not, the medication is not working on you. Yeah, sometimes it's not working. Maybe your genetic, your mom had migraines. Oh, yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. But other people have migraine. Yeah, your mom had migraine. No, no, not at all. I'm the only one. Okay, well. So. And how many you missing that you could be helping? I don't know, like the proportion of how many people that, like, for example, have headache that physical therapy could help, but I'm sure a lot of them uh, could have some relief and some help if they... Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, of course, 100% with you, because sometimes we have the neck as the only source and you have a 100% improvement. But sometimes you have a 70-30 or 50-50, you know? Mm -hmm. So you may have a 50% improvement, but some people with 50% improvement can tell you, hey, now I can live. I have a life now with a 50% relief and now my medication is working much better because when i have an yeah. attack I, I take the medication okay then goes away i can control that so mm -hmm. always happen i'm not saying it's black or white you know? so yeah. there's all the range of colors you you want to have you know but the thing is we can work together and we as a physical uh, therapist we are able to know if we can help in a very in very few sessions you know so maybe in four things yeah. Five sections, we know if we can help or not. Doesn't mean that the patient has to be fixed in five sessions, but you know the patient now is responding positively mm -hmm. to, to, to this. And maybe these four sessions are in one month or in two months or in one week, depending because the patient is having attacks every six months. Maybe you see the patient today, okay, I will work with you, but I see you once a month until you have the next attack. Now you're having the attack, maybe I can assess you in a different way. So it's not going to be in one week we know, but it's not going to take you long to know, and it's not going to be expensive. Medication yeah. for migraines are really expensive. The, neuro the neuro neurologists are charging much, much more than we are charging. You know? For and sure. So, <laughs> yeah. so we, are, we are able to change quickly, and we are, able, we are cheaper, and if not, okay, it's good. You enter in that, that field, that scope, yeah, and start everything. But not the other way around, after 20 years, you have a simple movement that is saving your life. <laughs> yeah. And just curious, I don't know if you know, like, a number or, or just like an, an idea. So from the ones that come from health, do you think you are able to, like, improve even a little bit their quality of life or that are, like, a lot of them that they just don't respond and they, they just need medication and you got to refer back to the doctor? Well, in my experience, the main problem I found in the in the clinic is uh, when people come, the people come uh, thinking that you are not going to be healthy. Okay, I'm coming just in case, okay, because I don't want to miss the opportunity. but. I don't think that you are going to help me. So why? Why do you say so? 
but you know, so many years with my headaches. Okay, I land. This is not going to be fixed. My doctor says it's not going to be fixed. You can go to the physios. Okay, yeah, some massage is good for you. Okay, you can be relaxed, but it's not going to help you. So we have a lot of psychosocial issues here, mainly with the diagnosis, with the attitudes, with the beliefs, with the doctors. And just if you go to the internet and you read about migraine, you see associations, you know, you see programs, you see everything related to migraine or cluster headaches or whatever, and everything is, oh, your brain, your brain, your brain is still, nothing is going to fix you, you know, your world is going to be awful, we are the second most disabled, the disability in the world, the second most disability disease, whatever, you know. So it's really, really difficult to take the patient from here and to take it out of this thinking, you know. So this is my main problem. So I need to educate a lot. Sometimes before I start doing something, I need one or two visits so I can inform the patient about, okay, what's about the migraine, the medical model, what uh, we can do as a physiotherapist, you know. But when someone is coming, okay, someone told me to come here, I want you to assess me, I'm open to do whatever you want. So, okay, let's see. And it's easy because if I, if I find something, I can work on that. And it's going to be quickly known if, it, okay, you are responding, you are not responding. And if you found, find nothing at all, you say, okay, I find nothing at all. Your neck is moving perfectly. We are doing everything. We are not changing anything. Sorry, I can't help you. So it's easy, you know. But when yeah. someone is coming with this oh, mindset that uh, mine is an item, uh, there yeah. is no cure for her, well, it's really, really difficult. And there are a lot of those, a lot of those, yeah. yeah. Or people call me just... Because, hey, I have a patient of yours that is a friend of mine, and uh, hey, in two weeks, hey, you fix him. Yeah, but, but you are not your friend. <laughs> you are another person, okay? Maybe another neck or another. Maybe that person was a migraine from the neck. And you're yeah. not. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I want you to do It happens with the bug. Oh, I have the same thing like my friend. No, no, you don't. <laughs> you, know, you don't have anything like your your friend you know so. yeah yeah so it's it's worth the the shot it's worth to try and of, see of course it. yeah of yeah. course of course we have a very good tools easy tools and i think we should see the, the headaches as a physical therapist the same in the same way we see knees low backs ankles you know so it's not different but it's just we are assessing a different area and the pain is referred to the neck instead of being referred to the leg or to the arm. If someone is coming with pain referred to the arm, everyone is going, oh, okay, we are going to check your neck and see what happens. So, oh, very confident, our test, okay, move, move, move. Headaches, ah, you know, headaches, oh, it's the same thing. The only thing is the top three segments, they refer pain to the head. Or the TMJ, which is another joint we can treat as a physical therapist, is referring to, 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 to the head. That's it, so it's another joint. Yeah. You know, so how you assess TMJ? No, you put the hands there, you go, okay, open your mouth, close your mouth, move to one side, move to the side, touch the muscle. Same thing, like if we're low back, neck, elbow. So it's not different, they are joints, okay? And we are thinking, ah, oh, you know, the headaches. If the headache is coming from, the, from that area, we are able to assess that area as, as physical therapies. It's the same thing. Yeah. And uh, so let's transition to our final questions. 
Do you have any other resource of information that you would like to share other than like the articles you just mentioned previously? Mm -hmm. Any mm -hmm. other things that you think are interesting? Well, I'm always browsing uh, PubMed. You know, it's my main source of uh, of knowledge. Uh, I don't read books. I used to read books when I was a, a student because we didn't have any internet. <laughs> so <laughs> the only way was buying books. <laughs> And sometimes when you buy the book, the things you are reading, they are just outdated. <laughs> and well, that's it. So yeah, usually PubMed is the, the main source uh, I use because, well, at least there are articles indexed and then the systematic reviews, as I told you, and meta-analysis because it's a way of, okay, just uh, sorting out the good from the, from the bad and and I'm not very good at reading uh, uh, scientific literature because you know there are a lot of tricks that people can do when they are doing the, the articles. And not, I'm very I'm not very good at, at that. And mainly with headaches, what happens is that if you want to assess people with cervicogenic headache, we were discussing uh, in the beginning of the podcast. How do you know that you have a cervicogenic headache? So how you get your sample for the studies? So usually what you have to use uh, is the diagnostic, diagnostic criteria set by the IHS. And so again, the medical model. Mm. But on the course, I explain as well the flaws of the, of the diagnostic criteria regarding neck. Okay? Because when medical, medical, the medical model and the doctors aren't thinking about the cervicogenic headache, they're thinking as well about the structures. When they say is pain perceived in the head from a primary source, they are thinking about uh, facet joints, uh, ligaments, and muscles. So despite you can show a lot of tests, they say, okay, but now you're going to, to, to publish something, we need an aesthetic blocks. So again, structure, structure, structure. Okay, what about this function? Maybe it's movement. But it's, mm. not, it's not okay. And you're doing the diagnostic blocks, you know, working. But you do a change in the posture, and the person say, okay, my pain gone away. You know? So, yeah. so it's very, it's very, very difficult. So, publications should follow somehow the IHS diagnostic criteria. So, it's a very biased, and I think we are not getting the, the whole picture of the cervicogenic headache, mainly from the physiotherapy point of view. So, as I said, this article from Gwendolyn Jal and Toby Hall is, is quite clear, and, and they say we need better definitions, okay, and better ways of studying this. So, and it was 2018, so that is our world ahead of us. <laughs> really, really interesting. <laughs> and yeah. not a sport, not a sport. Yeah. yeah. And what would be an advice that you give to the physical therapists that are starting their careers? Well, I think something that was very helpful for me uh, was to observe other people, to observe other physicians. So you had a chance to observe other people. This is very, very good because you will see many details that you don't see when you go to a course because you can learn theory, you can read things, you can practice techniques, okay? But then you have to apply this on a person, you know? And if someone is coming to your door, through your door and the patient is uh, 
like that, no? A little bit scared because he doesn't know what's going on here. Okay, what are you going to do on me? Okay. And it's like that. And you are very technical. Okay, tell me, tell me. Okay, sit down. You start moving. The patient doesn't understand. You lose the patient. Okay. Sometimes said, hi, how are you doing? Okay, okay, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, tell me about your story. But So empathy is really important. Yeah. Okay? So if you see how other people are treating people, you may have a lot of inputs you know, regarding this. Not only about techniques, because techniques, you will have all the time in the world to learn techniques. But if you have a pistol and you don't know when to shoot it, why do you want to have this pistol, you know? Yeah. So it's very important to observe. For me, observing was was really, really, really important. And sometimes say, okay, I like this, or, or, or I don't want to do any of these things in my life. So seeing good, good physios is very good, and seeing bad physios is very, very, very good as well. So observe, observe, observe. And when you see someone that you like what he's doing, ask him, ask him, okay, what type of course you recommend? Okay, what type of information you recommend him to do? Okay, so don't try to explore your, by yourself and thinking, oh, this is fashion now, I'm going to do this. Okay, now this is fashion. And, okay, so, and we are just following fashion, 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 okay? And there is the, the ABC is always working. So good subjective examination, this is always good. If you listen to your patient and the patient is aware that you're listening, Oof, you have done a lot. You know, yeah. the patient is on your boat, it's a lot. Because the patient needs needs to feel that you understand what's, what, what he's feeling. Okay, so this empathy, I think, is really good. So good history taking, good objective examination. This is very important. And good objective examination is simple. Move. Show me how you flex your elbow. So the same thing. Show me how you rotate. As far as you can, any pain? No, okay, just lay down. Okay, so you need your baselines, and baselines are easy. And then, with everything, then you have to decide okay, where do I see a problem? Do I see it in the neck? Well, not the lower. Okay, I forget about those things. Oh, maybe the upper. Okay, let's go. Flexion rotation test. Oh, I have a problem here. Okay, I'm going to start with the rotation technique. You know, so, and then you're building up your rational. But if yeah. you don't have your 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 base, your your um, your foundations are really really important. So the simplest, the better. Okay, and then you will have the time for everything. So, and for me, from the beginning, observing, you are going to learn a lot of those things to be really really consistent and do those things and never forget about the the basics. Yeah. It's really that's important. And what are the qualities and abilities that you think are important to become a successful PT? So I think okay. you just mentioned empathy, right? Mm -hmm. and Which means good listening, good uh, capability of asking questions, the right questions, yeah. okay? Because yeah. we can ask a lot, but it's not about asking a lot, but asking the good questions. And maybe the mm -hmm. first question is not important. It's the third question on the first question, you know? So it's an ongoing interview, okay? And always, always with matters that are important. If you have a pain in your neck and you are 50 and you are suffering this for two months and you never had any neck pain before, it's a stupid thing to ask, did you fall when you were a baby? <laughs> of course, thousand times. <laughs> thousand times, you know? So... Things like that. So it's a, it's, it's a question, but it's not related to this. 
Yeah. Impressed about the, the fall of that guy when he was one year old. If he's been 49 years living without any neck pain, you know. But yeah. we like to ask, oh, maybe in the beginning, oh, you know, in the birth, when the doctor was doing this in the head, maybe then the bone. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so try to ask sensible questions. You know, you have to be really sensible and really focus on the, the patient's point. Don't ask the same questions to the same people. Because even the, the same people, from one day to other day, they are different. Maybe the first day they are scared, they like the way you approach them, the way you did it, and they feel better. The second day they come, hi, how are you doing? They're smiling. <laughs> or they can come the first day, okay, how are you? And the second day, hi, how are you? And they're good. So they're different, okay? So it's not about one person, other person. The same person is going to be different. So you need to be flexible, okay? Because the patient is in charge. You are just guiding him. And of course, you know what you have to do, when you have to stop, what to change. And very important thing, you have to be very communicative. You have to educate people. If he's getting better, of course, you have to educate him. But if he's getting worse, of course, you have to educate him. And if he's not getting any better or any worse, you have to educate him. Because maybe they are expecting things. If I come to the physio, I expect to be better tomorrow. Maybe you're not, because we are still assessing. We are not treating yet. But the people come to receive our treatment. They don't know the difference between treatment and assessment. We do, or we should do. We need to transfer this information to the, to the patient so he knows that we are in a process until we know that if we can help him or not, okay? And I, I find this very, very, very useful. And when I was very young, if someone was coming, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm, I'm worse. I didn't know what to do or what to ask or what to, it was like, oh my gosh, the time is, the time is not passing by. <laughs> yeah. Now, but I don't not, know. Yeah, if someone is coming now, I feel worse. Okay, why you say you're worse? Sometimes me. They, tell they, me. they tell me, what, well, my elbow? Your elbow? What's in your knee? Yeah, yeah no, no, my knee much better, but my elbow, what? yesterday. <laughs> you know? So yeah. sometimes we think it's worse because of his problem and it's because of another problem, you know? Yeah. Why worse? Okay, why? Oh, because the exercises you show me. Okay, show me the exercises and they're doing the opposite. Mm -hmm. Or they are doing the 10 exercises you were doing with them when you were assessing. So you weren't good at saying only do this at home, you know? So yeah. many, many things. So don't be afraid. Be clear, straight. Talk in the same language that the, the patient understands. They are not doctors. They are not physicians. They are people. They are scared sometimes. They don't know what they're coming for. So that's the thing. Empathy, communication, good uh, ability to, to interview. And be ready to fix people and be ready to have people getting worse with your approach. But it's part of our assessment, so that's it. Yeah. And we can help we, we cannot help any everyone. That's that's a pity, but we cannot help anyone. That's also important to know so we don't yeah. too hard. For me, for me it's the most important thing. When when I understood that I wasn't going to be able to fix everyone, then I was more relaxed. And I was enjoying much more my, my job because I thought in the beginning that oh, I have to, 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 to help everyone, everyone, because I'm a physiotherapist, so there should be a cause for me. You know, sometimes you, you know.
And it's a very good thing. And it happened to me when I was 35, something like that. So I was working for 12, 13 years. That you feel, you know, Superman, okay, I'm going to fix everyone. <laughs> and, and no, you're not. And now I'm 50, and the only thing I have clear is I cannot help everyone. But I tell them in the beginning, on the first visit, I tell them, I need to know if I find what happens to you and if I'm able to help you or not. And they understand. They are happy with that. Okay, so. Yeah, I think it's important to have this very clear. Yeah. Uh, Pap, thank you so much uh, for taking the time today to talk to us about headache, that I think it's like a delicate topic. People are afraid of, scared of treating headaches. They don't really know how it works. So I think it's just good to bring some clarity on the top, topic and talk about it. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much again for having me. And I hope that after the talking, the physical therapists start thinking about the headaches like just a symptom. And a symptom that can comes from the neck, upper neck, or the TMJ. So they are joints. We are specialists at joint assessment and treatment. So go for it. Easy. And before I forget, if people want to contact you, how they can find you? Okay, so I, you are going to post uh, some information, so I can give you my email. Again, you can post my email ID so they can contact me, no, no problem, okay? Okay, awesome. Then I'll put your email on the show notes, so if anyone wants to contact you, they know how to find you. Yes, because I'm not very active on social media, so I have Twitter account and things like that, but I'm not very active, so if they want to reach me, they can reach me through my email. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mariana. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Questions, suggestions, or topics you want to hear about, talk to me on ptprotalk.com. Join our email list to receive updates and new episodes and subscribe here. Tell your friends about it and be sure to share. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. We are going to publish today's video recording on my YouTube channel, so you can check the link out in the show notes. Thanks for joining us and I'll see you next time.